Brothers and sisters, let's turn to the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. This is the inerrant and living Word of God. And brothers and sisters, because we are in Christ, it tells us, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you would uh, teach us, that we would be good listeners, that our desire would be to glorify you and to rejoice in our salvation this morning. Help us, Father, to speak in a manner worthy of the calling that we have received as your children. Lord, we thank you for your spirit dwelling in us, and we commit ourselves now to hearing and listening and applying your precious word, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think if I gave you all some time this morning and asked you to give me three separate words to summarize the letter of Ephesians, of course, we're this section is from Ephesians chapter 4. But if I asked you to give me three words that you thought would help you to remember and to organize in your mind the book of Ephesians, I'm sure you could, you could do that. You could read the Word of God and you could do that. But I'm going to spare you some time. And I'm going to give you two sets of three words. And uh, I think these are helpful to you. They've been helpful to me over the years. The first one is three words, wealth, walk, and warfare. The three W's, if you like, you know, three letters are, that are consistent, there you go. The wealth, walk, and warfare. So first of all, in chapters 1 through 3, the key, in fact, the key phrase of the book of Ephesians is in him, or in Christ. And uh, the riches of God's grace to us are indeed in Christ. In verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So we, indeed, are very wealthy. God has lavished his grace on us in Jesus Christ. So secondly, walk. Chapter 4, uh, this section goes from chapter 4 to uh, basically chapter 6, verse 9. And in chapter 4, verse 1, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And that is indeed what I am going to do this morning in, in terms of our speech. Walk worthy of a manner, worthy of your calling. And then warfare, of course, chapter 6, verses 10 through basically the end of the book. This is the battle that we are in. We're in a battle with the world and our own flesh and the enemy, the devil, and, uh, but we have victory in Christ again, in whom we stand. So we stand in Jesus Christ. Chapter 6, verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. So our wealth is in Christ, and we're able to walk by faith because we are in him, and we can stand because we stand in his victory already and in the power of his spirit. Now, another three-word summary of the book of Ephesians is called Sit, Walk, Stand. And I guess it has more to do with our position, but uh, this is from Watchman Nee, and I would uh, caution you to be very cautious in reading Watchman Nee, but I like the title of his book and actually some thoughts from his book. Uh, but Sit, Walk, Stand. Positionally, chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 6 says, we, were, uh, we sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ by faith. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. Walk is the same verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you've uh, received. And then stand. Chapter 6, verse 10 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. So, quick summary of Ephesians because we're jumping into the middle of Ephesians. And with that overview, you can see that the sermon is uh, in the section on our walk. This is our walk with the Lord that we can do in the Lord, which specifically points out how we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in our words, specifically in our words. So the sermon is organized, if you look at your notes, the sermon is organized according to the three parts of verse 29, which is in bold there, uh, in the middle of our text. And so the three parts are, first of all, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt words should not proceed out of our mouth. Part B, what is, but what is good for necessary edification. That's what should come out of our mouth. And then this is the result, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So first of all, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. These are generally words that should be put off. And we are putting them off, but they should be put off. They're like filthy clothes that are thrown away. They're so bad. Ephesians 4, and 23 says, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we're commanded to put these things off. Now corrupt, I looked that word up, and the Greek has to do, uh, basically has two major meanings. First of all is rotten, just plain rotten, or putrid was a stronger way to put it. So corrupt means rotten, and it also meant worthless or useless, and it also meant that which corrupts others. Matthew Henry, uh, on this word, he said, filthy and unclean words and discourse are poisonous and infectious, as putrid rotten meat. They proceed from and prove a great deal of corruption in the heart of the speaker and tend to corrupt the minds and manners of others who hear them. And therefore, Christians should beware of all such discourse. Albert Barnes, uh, the commentator, said essentially the same thing. It is like, he said, even more picturesque, I guess, it is like retaining an offensive carcass above ground to pollute the air and to diffuse pestilence and death, which should at once be buried out of sight. That's how we should treat our corrupt words. And we'll see that corrupt words can indeed pollute, they can corrupt, and they can defile, and they can certainly hurt other people. And we know that. We all know that. They can hurt others. And we have hurt others with our words. We have been hurt by others. But we may not be aware, as much as we should, uh, that they can do great damage. They can do great damage and displease the Lord. And yet they have great power to, to bring great blessing. 
So we do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit, as we see in verse 30 in this text. In Matthew 15, it records how Jesus had just spoken to uh, many of the corrupt words of the Pharisees. And the disciples, and particularly Peter, uh, asked him, you know, Lord, please clarify what this parable means that you just said to the, to the Pharisees. They didn't like, the Pharisees didn't like it. And in verse 18, Jesus said, Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And James 3, you all know, talks about our tongue being like a fire. Now, fire has good things it can do. It can heat us. We're thankful for that in this season. Uh, it can cook our food. It can purify. Uh, but it also can be very destructive. It can consume, and it can also spread. <clears throat> in other words, our tongues and our words have a huge impact on those around us. They can hurt or they can heal. And now the Ephesians had mostly been uh, living in and were converted from a pagan culture where a foul mouth uh, was very common. In fact, it was actually encouraged. When they had drinking orgies, as I was reading, it said that they tried to outdo themselves and how gross they could be in their speech. It's kind of like, you know, who can gross out others the most with their language? Now, we see that in the words of some recently. If you have been on Facebook or anything lately, and you've seen some of the, for example, pro-abortion uh, groups and demonstrators, really gross, gross words, gross actions. I don't even want to look at it. I don't want to hear it. And one of the reasons we do not send our children to government schools here is that they hear and they learn much corrupt speech. I certainly did when I was in, in uh, elementary school and, and high school and junior high school. Another culture, I guess, uh, is in the military where, uh, you know, a person who doesn't speak corrupt words really stands out, I think. You know, there's a number of the, my brothers here who have been in the military. Almost all of you have told me, you know, the words are, uh, can be, you know, you'd like to plug your ears up, but you can't. You're supposed to listen and obey. And, uh, you know, I've heard that uh, Brian and Trevor, well, maybe others here too. Uh, Jim was in the, uh, uh, Jim back there is in the, Navy and uh, others here, uh, and maybe the language isn't much better uh, in the Marines, I don't know, uh, he's shaking his head, but uh, it's part of their culture, it's part of their culture, and I'm not picking on the military, believe me, I, you know, I want to, those guys know how to take people down, I, I want to be careful, but it's a, it's a culture that was developed, it's a culture that we are undeveloping by the grace of God. Uh, but these Ephesians, they had been changed, the ones that are receiving this letter, they'd been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ as we have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our words can now be gracious and pleasing to him. And so Paul is encouraging them to, to speak in a way that is appropriate as a son or daughter of the king, their new king. It's part of walking in a manner worthy of our calling and worthy of the Lord. In Matthew 12, verses 33 through 36, Jesus was speaking, uh, this time directly to the, the jealous Pharisees. They were jealous because he was really growing in popularity at this point. And in verse 33, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the, a tree is known by its fruit. What comes off of a tree should be consistent with uh, that kind of tree. It's known by its fruit. 
And the Lord was saying that at their root, the Pharisees were rotten. They were speaking corrupt words. Their words were naturally corrupt. And he said it really strongly this way, in case they didn't quite get it. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now those in the Lord are being changed into his image from one degree of glory to another. We are being sanctified, and so we can now speak words that edify. We can speak words of grace into each other's lives. We have that ability now because our hearts have been, they are being changed, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And there are also aspects of discipline, of course, in this, which I urge you to, uh, I will urge you to later. Discipline and responsibility uh, upon disciples of Christ to pray and to be, uh, to pray about our speech and to be active in changing our speech. And the Lord Jesus, went, Lord Jesus went on in that same passage in Matthew 12. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. In other words, words that are edifying. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. That's a sobering, should be a sobering statement. And that raises the importance of our speech I believe, brothers and sisters, to a high level. We can't just overlook what we say that is unpleasing to the Lord or hurtful to another person. We, we just can't overlook it. We can't just think, well, they'll get over it. I didn't really mean it, but they'll get over it. They need thicker skin. What we speak has eternal consequences, beginning now. Idle words and corrupt words uh, that should never be spoken are from... Two kinds of people. First of all, the unregenerate, out of the, the uh, evil treasure of their hearts. And uh, I know some of you, I've heard a testimony of how before you were converted, uh, you had a problem with swearing. Couldn't stop that. But by the grace of God, uh, he, he can change that. But anyway, the unregenerate uh, speak corrupt words. Secondly, sometimes saints speak corrupt words. Uh, but we are growing. We are in the process of growing in holiness, but we still have the remnants of the old man uh, within us. And so sometimes we speak words not based out of the good treasure uh, in our heart by the grace of God, not out of a love for the Lord, and not out of, out of a love for other people. As the Apostle James wrote in chapter 3, uh, he said, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. I know you're not perfect. We all stumble. But God gives us grace. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, <clears throat> we can now, brothers and sisters, it says, we are to be imitators of God as dear children, or as dearly loved children. He loves us dearly. He's called us to be his children. We are to imitate him and to walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. So we're to imitate in our speech and in the way we walk, love, as he did in loving us. And our speech should be guided by sacrificial love and the love of God. And our speech really should be uh, much less about us, much more about him. And we're to have this same grace in our words, in, in the way we act, of course, in the way we think, but certainly in our words, because we're to be imitators of the Lord. Ephesians 5, verse 3 says, But fornication, this is the beginning of a list that I'm going to go over, but fornication and all uncleanness 
or covetousness, let it be not even named among you, as is fitting for saints. Neither fil filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. So you might want to look at Ephesians 5.3. I'll just talk briefly on that short list. So we're not to be associated all with these things, with fornication and cleanness, covetousness. It should not come up as representing, representing us or being a part of us. In addition to those three, uh, the following I would like to suggest are uh, or could be under the category of not fitting. These are words that are not fitting, discussions that are not fitting. First of all, filthiness. And the word uh, there spoke mostly about shameful language, just, just shameful things that shouldn't be said. Base words, disgraceful words, obscenities, or any word or thought that is against God's holiness or his purity. And then foolish talk as a general term basically meant silliness, utter silliness. Silly words, no intent to edify, but just basically to get attention. And then there's coarse jesting. You know, jesting, it's not saying we can't be uh, humorous, but of course, jesting. In this case, it was being witty in telling off-color jokes or crude jokes, being clever, but in a, in a vulgar way. And I would add sarcasm to this. I'd be very ca cautious in terms of using sar overly using sarcasm. Now, a few other kinds of speech I believe we should put off uh, that are not listed specifically in this verse, chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, uh, Ephesians 4.25, it says, we already read, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. It's expected. We are, we are members of one another. We should speak truth. We should put away lying. We should take it off in a sense. We just shouldn't be wearing it. And then angry words. In this same passage, Ephesians 4.31 says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All those words relate to anger some form of anger. So we're to put angry words away from us. Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Harsh words just stir it up. But we can, by God's grace, give a soft answer that turns away wrath, even if you're being attacked. A soft answer turns away wrath. So we're called to cease from stirring that up anger, but uh, to give a soft anger, <coughs> answer. Ephesians 5, verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. So there is a righteous anger. People do get angry. But do not sin in that ang anger. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Giving place to the devil means we just gave a foothold to him to destroy relationships, in this case, by our speech. Do not give that foothold to him by your speech. So complaining and negativity... Uh, James 5, verse 9, there, there are many other verses, but James 5, verse 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. And that spreads like a fire. Negativity can really spread like a fire. Gossip and slander. James 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. A whisperer is a gossip, a gossiper or a slanderer. And those kind of people separate good friends. They also separate whole bodies of believers. So a perverse man sows strife, a whisperer separates the best of friends. Again, related to gossip and slander, 
He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Proverbs 11, 13. Silence is better sometimes. A talebearer reveals secrets, <clears throat> things he should not say. The next category, <clears throat> excuse me, would be boasting, overly boasting, or bragging. Continual bragging. James 4.16 says, But now you boast in your ignorance. All such boasting is evil. Speech with words of boasting, it says, is evil. Proverbs 27.2. This is what we should do instead of bragging or boasting. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. Philippians 2.3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility or in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And then finally, critical words. Critical words. It's easy to be critical. You know, these are words which are not meant to build up at all, really. Uh, generally, uh, they can be. Sometimes we need critique. We, they can, you know, we can speak the truth in love. These are words which are not meant to build up, but to make you look good generally, to make us look good or right. And in many or, or all of these, we would be breaking the ninth commandment. And as verse 30 here says, we are not to grieve the Holy Spirit, the one who has sealed us as part of the redeemed. And he is the one who convicts us of corrupt speech. And he is the one who empowers us to speak words that edify and impart grace. Our text goes on to command us in verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So the idea is to give now instead of steal. So this is not about speech per se, but it is about not caring for others and only wanting to meet our needs. And we often try to do that, I believe, by our speech, in our speech. We defend ourselves, maybe we promote ourselves. So rather than take from others, we are called to serve and to give to those in need or to give gracious words. It is indeed a gift. And we're all needy, brothers and sisters, I know. We are all needy of edifying words. We all need them more than we receive them, probably. And a lack of them in a person or a group is a sign of immaturity, really, and a lack of love. Ephesians 5, verse, uh, verses 8 through 12, verse 8 says, Walk as children of light. We can do that. We can walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So we're to walk worthy of our calling. We are called as children of light. And so to walk as children of light means to speak what is good and what is righteous and to speak the truth. Those are acceptable to the Lord. And verse 11 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So if we are speaking, if we have to speak of some of those things in that list, it should be to expose them to the light of the gospel, to the light of the scriptures that we have. And it concludes, verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Those things are shameful. Ephesians 5, 3, Let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints. So we have to be cautious about how we speak and of what we speak. Now, there are a number of places in Scripture that, of course, tell us to be silent, to be quick to hear and slow to speak 
and slow to anger. But this sermon, the focus is on those times when we are speaking, when we need to speak, when a response is needed, when we're teaching. Uh, now, there are times, I know, that it's uh, important to be silent. And we can bless others sometimes by our silence. You know, like, I, the one thing I remembered growing up, my parents said, maybe often, uh, if you can't speak in a civil manner to your brother, then just don't speak. And I thought, well, I don't know if I ever said that to my kids, but I'm pretty sure I did. You know. And so, yeah, that's okay. Uh, and I'd like you to refer just quickly to the back page of the notes uh, because I made a list of these. Now, uh, this was sent to me a couple weeks ago. I don't know who sent it. I forgot who sent it anyway. Then I couldn't find the email. But anyway, I put it here. If it was you, I give you credit now. Um, but I like the title, and I kind of like some of the categories, and I thought it would be helpful. You know, when to keep your mouth shut. It's kind of a strong way to put it, but uh, so, and then it says, don't open your mouth. I'm not going to go through these. You can do that at home. And some of these are uh, related uh, on either the negative or the positive side of the ones I'm giving. And you might notice most of them are from Proverbs. And uh, I remember doing a long time ago, I probably should do again, a study through Proverbs where I underline every word that has to do with words or speech. You would be amazed how many, how much of Proverbs is about how we speak. Now, the, the closing, uh, the bottom verse says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. So, just look at that uh, if you're uh, interested today. might be a good follow-up. But this passage we're looking at right now is telling us how to speak. There are times we must, even if we're introverted, when we are asked a question, when the truth needs to be spoken to refute error, we need to speak in, a, in the way that God has commanded us to do, not with corrupt speech, but uh, words that edify. And we can always grow as listeners, can't we? We can always grow as listeners, as question askers. And when we do, then our responses and what we say, the words that come out of our mouth, will be much more edifying. And we can be led by the Spirit to say what pleases Him, what is in accordance with His Word, and what is necessary. And then others will be edified and built up and strengthened at the time they need it, in due season, in other words. Our 32nd wedding anniversary was in January, and before that, I wrote up a list of things to encourage my sons and my sons-in-law. I just titled it, How to Stay Married for 32 Years. And I just looked back on that as I was working on this, and uh, on the top of the list, and I, I roughly was doing it, in, I guess, as I wrote it out in terms of importance, but on the top of the list had to do with listening to my wife, number one. I can tell you why later. And my wife can tell you why. But number one was listening. And I still need to learn a lot about that. But I encouraged my sons and my sons-in-law to uh, even have a plan to listen. Plan to do it. Know that your wife at a certain point is going to need you to listen. Not to give her an answer, not to make, give a response even at that point. But, but to listen and be sacrificial in it. And then the next two, my main point here was the next two near the top and some, other, uh, some of the others were related to speaking. So some of the top ways to stay married for 32 years relates, uh, did for me anyway, when I look back, related to my speaking. So brothers and sisters, we're to put off corrupt words uh, we're to not let corrupt words proceed from our mouths. We're to guard our speech. 
or to guard our mouth. Proverbs 13.3 says, he who guards his mouth, meaning you're careful, you ask the Spirit to lead you, you, you think before you speak. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. It's quite a contrast there. Life or destruction. Psalm 141.3, I've quoted often. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Could be a daily prayer, a regular prayer. Proverbs 10.19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. He restrains his lips. He holds back. Everything he could say, he doesn't say. So now, when do we, when we do speak, what is to proceed out of our mouths? We talked a little bit about what should not, what are we to let come out of our mouths? What is good for necessary edification? These are part of what we should put on, put on as part of our new clothing as Christians. This is how uh, we look to people, or we should look to people. We put on these, this new kind of speech, and we're to speak what edifies people and what glorifies God. In Philippians 4.8, you know that, there's a list which uh, we should meditate on, and thus our words will come out of the abundance of our heart, and then we will bless others. And that verse says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And if we meditate on those things, then out of our heart will flow words that uh, are necessary for edification. We'll be prepared to speak those kind of words. Now, necessary here really has the meaning, a little different meaning than maybe we would, uh, just reading it cursorily uh, would give. It meant basically, as the need may be, or at the time that it is needed, words suitable for the specific situation that you're in. So we want to be ready when the need arises to speak words of grace in the life of the people around you. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Now, I've never seen that. I'd like to see that. I, don't, I can't picture it like a silver bowl or a setting with beautiful gold apples in it. Oh, it's beautiful. I can't imagine. What's it worth? It's worth a lot. And so is our speech like that. You know, words that are fit right for the time, by the grace of God and according to the word of God, are beautiful words. They're precious Proverbs 15, 23 says, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Indeed. You will increase in joy, it says in that verse, Proverbs 15, 23, you will increase in joy as you speak what pleases the Lord and what builds up the people around you. Words fitly spoken, words spoken in due season, are a great blessing. Now the final Verse in our text, verse 32, says we should be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So those three things say our words should be tender-hearted. They should comfort, they should show sympathy often, and they should convey love. And brothers, this is not unmanly to do this. Our Lord Jesus spoke in this way. And we should speak words of forgiveness to one another, we should be kind to one another. Words of kindness should prevail from our lips. And so should uh, readily, so should forgiveness be given because God forgave us in Jesus Christ. Proverbs 10, verse 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Other versions call it a fountain. You can picture that. 
in a dry and weary land, a fountain's a great, wonderful thing to have. Very refreshing, as our speech should be. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweet, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I know if you've ever eaten honeycomb, it's really good. You can ask uh, Gil about that. I don't know if he'll give you any of his, but it's wonderful. It's, it's uh, joyful. It's tasty. So, but it says it's sweetness to your soul. So our words go down deeply and health to your bones. It's not just to you, but to those to whom you speak pleasant words, words fitly spoken. It's sweetness to their soul. It's health to their bones. Have you ever thought about the physical impact of your words on people? I mean, you can see it sometimes when you say something to your children, and that should have never come out of my mouth, but I can't take it back. And they're physically impacted. So ask the Lord, brothers and sisters, to prepare you to do this kind of thing, to speak the right words, especially Scripture, at the right time, and to use you in the lives of others to build them up in the Lord. So what a ministry. Think of the ministry that we have in each other's lives. We are, we are having here now, and I praise God for the ministry uh, of what is spoken here. But what a ministry we can have in each other's lives. Even the young ones here, I would urge you to think about how your words said to your siblings, said to your parents, you, you can greatly bless them. You may not think you have that kind of ministry. You have that ministry. You don't even have to look for a ministry, by, by the way, if you're looking for one to start or do. Uh, this has already been given to us, established by the Lord for all of us. And again, I'd like to read Ephesians 5, verse 3. It says uh, on the negative side, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. They are not fitting for a believer but rather giving of thanks. So he offsets all that list with giving thanks, but giving of thanks. Now, thanksgiving, words of thanks to the Lord, should, I believe, much more be coming from our mouths. More and more of what we speak should be related to our thanks to the Lord for saving us. I think it's a lot harder to speak words uh, from that above list uh, that corrupt if we are giving thanks to God. Now, others are built up as we do this, of course, and and they themselves tend to be more thankful as they hear us being that way, and they speak less of of maybe what they want or what's what's bad. They're less tempted to speak words that they will regret. Now, I think it would be interesting. I didn't really think this out, and I probably should have, uh, to try something here at Dominion Covenant Church and call it like a campaign of thankfulness or campaign of thankful speech, a campaign of thankful speaking. I don't know. I can't quite envision it. And it might happen at lunchtime. May it be so that the words that we speak today uh, are, are thankful. Let's have a campaign of that. Uh, not as a competition, although I guess uh, for the competitive ones here, it's better to compete in that area it's, than like the, the, the Ephesians did. They competed to see who could be more gross. So yes, let's compete in, a, in that sense in being thankful. Reckless words, you know, our words have more impact, I believe, as I started this sermon have more impact than we are aware of, than we normally think of. Even one word. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Just like receiving a sword. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. This is Proverbs 12, verse 18. So words have a lot of power, like a sword. It can be very hurtful and damaging, 
But we want to pray that we will be growing and having the tongue of the wise and so bring healing to people who need it. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So our speech is supposed to be seasoned with salt. And that's not salty in the stinging sense, like in the Navy. Oh, I better not get off the Navy, guys. I'm going to be in trouble. But not that kind. You know, salt is also tasty, and it's pleasant. So our speech should be like that. Our speech should savor of graciousness and be well-timed. And it says, uh, not just sometimes here in Colossians 4, 6, it said, let your speech always be with grace. Ephesians 5, 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. This isn't so much we need to go around singing to each other. I'm not sure that would be that bad. But because uh, we rejoice together, uh, we, we can speak to each other in, in the psalms and in what we do sing from what comes out of the hymns and spiritual songs. And it talks about making melody in your heart to the Lord. And again, it's from the heart that the mouth speaks. Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24 says, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is talking here of the speech of the regenerate heart, the speech of a new man being sanctified. And we're to be steadfast and disciplined in putting on the new man, which we was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And we're to be disciplined in putting off what is corrupt, of course, including corrupt speech. Ephesians 4.25, put away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We are members of one another. So we should speak truth to one another. I'd like to just review, just for a minute. This is from our membership covenant booklet. It's on the page that says, I believe in an every member ministry. I try to look at these every once in a while. Do not forget what I have vowed before the Lord and before you to obey. And it says the second part, the second verse, or part of this says, I will obey the commands of scripture which call for a covenantal relationship to one another. First one at the top, be at peace with one another. So our words, we should speak words of peace, words that promote peace. It says love one another. We're to speak in love and show that love verbally. We're to honor one another above ourselves. We're to give words that honor others above ourselves and bless them. We're to build up one another, of course, from this whole passage, but also Romans 14, 19. We're to edify, it means to build up. We're to bear with one another. In other words, we're, we're to give patient words, not respond in, in anger. We're to spur one another on, or some versions say stir one another up to love and good works. So the words that we speak really should be stirring us up, stirring up those around you to love. And you can kind of tell if, you, if you're generally speaking those kind of words, you are going to stir people up around you, and that's a good thing. And then the last one, there are 39, by the way, on here. I'm not going to do all those. The last one, do not speak against one another. I already mentioned no gossip. Speak what is for them, what will bless them. As we put off corrupt speech and put on speech that edifies, the result is a great blessing of the grace of God. 
those who hear this kind of speech can be truly built up in the faith and encouraged and strengthened. So, last part, just to conclude. All of this results in, all these kind of words, the kind that build up, impart grace. They impart grace to the hearers. You ever thought of that? You can impart grace by your words. The result of not letting corrupt words come out of your mouth and of speaking what is good for edification is that we can actually, by the grace of God, bring words of grace into each other's lives. We're able to impart words of grace from the word of God or based on the word of God. And that is what ambassadors of Christ do. That is what disciples do. That is what Christians are able to do more and more now. And that is what members here, praise God, have been doing. And I encourage you, encourage us to work on that even more. And what a calling we have. What a means to build each other up. We don't often think of again. What a means to build each other up. God has given us an amazing grace, in a sense, to impart the life-changing word of God and words that serve him, not serve us. Albert Barnes again said, he who talks for the mere sake of talking will say many foolish things. He whose great aim in life is to benefit others will not likely, will not be likely to say that which he will have occasion to regret. Proverbs 18.2. I memorized this in the Revised Standard. It says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. That one definition of a fool and Jesus was speaking in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, uh, and they were awed. They, they thought, oh, who is this? This is Joseph's son. Uh, this is what, uh, what was said in the scriptures, Luke 4. So all the people there all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So we can speak words of grace only because we have been made new by his grace. And we must rely on his grace to do what he's called us to do. All glory belongs to him. That we can put off anything of our old nature, such as the corrupt words, and put on uh, or speak words of grace as people who are, are in a new creation. Words that heal and words that bless. So our prayer, my prayer for you this morning, I will conclude with, and then I will pray, but this is from Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, where those words come from, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So to you, who have great wealth in Christ, who are able to walk in Christ now, in the strength of the Holy Spirit, and who can stand in the battle, even the battle with your tongue, walk in a manner worthy of your calling in him, by first of all letting no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but by more and more speaking only those words which edify, fitting a believer, that your words will impart grace to those who walk in Christ with you and will glorify the God of grace. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that we can have such a large impact on others when we speak words that are fitting of our calling, words of grace that bring healing because you have redeemed us and you have given us the example of your gracious words. And you poured your spirit into our hearts and have given us your precious word. Oh Lord, forgive us for corrupt speech which hurts. Convict us of these 
Enable us to change by the filling of your spirit. And Lord, help us even today, even during lunch, to speak what is good and fitting and of due season that impart grace to those who hear. And we give you all the praise that it is by your grace lavished on us in Christ that we can have this kind of ministry in each other's lives. And we praise you for enabling us to put off what is unworthy of our calling and to put on what pleases you. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.